today's episode is the second part of the five-part series featuring Quan Laws. In today's episode, we both share our experience of hearing the verdict of 20 years. He shares his transition from being outside the prison walls to traveling to a prison up north to his new home, being stripped of his worldly clothing and his given name. His new name for the next 20 years would be 01A2003. walk us through that like what was that for you hearing that verdict yes that was an interesting um point let me let, let me let me give you like a backstory mm-hmm. like i previously said i was on bail uh i was out on a very high bond but they didn't really expect me to make it but i made it mm-hmm. and i was on bail for two years and you know, uh, you know, I was living my life, working, taking care of, taking care of me and my girlfriend, and I was just going about my business. And then, you know, when 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 everything was starting, um, I was actually going to trial on on the outside. You know, there were times where. When I was driving to the to the courthouse, like sometimes I may come across a jury. I sometimes I may come across a juror, and you know I didn't say anything because we wasn't supposed to talk, you know. But it was just like that type of awkwardness mm-hmm. that that were going on, and um, it was one point where. Um, my mother and the victim's mother bumped into each other in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They had a moment, and pretty much they came to the consensus that there aren't any winners or losers in this situation. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, so the victim's mother was very, very gracious. She was a beautiful woman, a great big heart. And I still remember her to this day because, you know, um, it was just, and just, interesting how strong she was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so when so when the verdict did come down to be honest I was shocked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I remember I remember seeing you and I remember the shock I think we all gasped we all gasped yeah like what because it took it took three days. It didn't come down the first day. It took three days. Three days is a long time for a jury to hold a verdict. So that means that they were arguing with each other. Because I remember the second day where they was frustrated because the judge would not allow them to go home. Mm-hmm. They would go home to their family. After that first night, 
right? They had to go to a hotel. They couldn't go home. Mm-hmm. That second day, and they still didn't come up with a verdict. They were upset. You could see it. Um, it was huffing and puffing, teeth were kissing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the third day came and, and the verdict came in, you could tell that whoever perhaps were holding out for me just gave up. I, you know, I always run that mind. Like I'm just curious to know, like, like what was the uh, the turning point? Mm-hmm. Like, was it like, well, we don't really know this guy. He's guilty. Let's just find him guilty so we could go home to our family. Was it like that, or was it like, like I don't know? It's just something that I always wondered. Like, who right. you have five people that were seven people, was it ten people who were like, you know what? Yes. Let's get from ten to twelve, you know, or whatever. And then the others are like, listen, he did this. He needs to, you know, he's just as guilty. But unfortunately, as you said, you know, we won't ever know that, you know. Yes. So when yeah. the verdict came in, yes, I was very shocked, especially at what I was found guilty of. I was like shocked. I was like, I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wasn't. Um, I was expected to be found guilty of something, but not those high charges, you know. Right. Um, right. So, you know, sentencing time come and um. So wait, let's go back again for people like me who really um, don't really know what that looks like. You get, you know, we see it on television and Law and Order, or, you know, these shows where, and I remember them handcuffing you and taking you in post the verdict. I remember, I think one of the things for me was, and you and I never really spoke about this. Let's just put it that I think it's been such a difficult topic for me. Um, I just, I've never talked about it. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. But it's also an uncomfortable feeling, you know, and it brings me back to that time because 20 years of, my life and your life you know we haven't um really talked about it post you coming home you know so it's a lot for me too and I'm like going back and 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 kind of being introspective and reflecting on that day um but I from you know what for me one of the things that popped in my head and that I recall was you know when we all gasped and everything was over I always assumed that you know your lawyers or you know the victim lawyers the prosecutors all those people or the prosecutors and the the defendants lawyers weren't close and I remembered it really intently it was intently uh, uh, in my brain because I remember them kind of high-fiving each other after the prosecutors and you know and your lawyer and it was just like all right, so we'll see you guys later. It was like a celebration. And I thought, oh, this is, I didn't know that this would happen. I thought that the prosecutors and the, and those lawyers, and, you know, and his lawyers weren't friends, that they were on different teams. But so that was um, a point that I took away, like, oh, this is interesting. And, you know, as I got older and understood better, um, you know, they're doing a job, they're colleagues, they're friends, and they're trying cases. And, you know, right after, I remember your mom was crying after they took you. And we went outside and, you know, the courthouse and, um, 
you know, just sitting outside. And I remember your mom saying, you know, she was broken and she was crying. And they were just like, you know, the lawyer was like, she said, you know, what else can I do? And he said, well, you know, another retainer fee would probably be about 50,000. And I mean, as an 18 year old, in my mind, I was like, what? Like, you know, like I was like, as you said, you had a bail, you were paying lawyers fees, and it was just like another 50,000. And I was just like, wow. You know, and even again, as a parent now, I'm like, and that's, I guess, something for people to think about. You know, we have young teenage sons and daughters who make mistakes. And it's like, what do you do as a parent? You know, it's $50,000. What if you're a parent and you don't have that? Do you, you know, do you make it happen? Do you, you know, how do you make it happen? So those are just some point that just another point that I wanted to make about that, that so many families get in these situations. And then, you know, which leads to so much where, you know, you have people on Rikers just sitting there for years because their family members can't make 50000 you know, let alone $50,000 bail, two fifty, three hundred, five hundred, and sometimes they can't even make 3000 you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's a problem that plagues uh, uh, communities of color, you know. Um, it's, it's not many affluent people of color you know that could afford that, that type of um, um those bail money. those bail demand you know those demands no, yeah. now they have since had prison reform where now those type of of bails and stuff like that are not that high and actually they actually um no they have um um places where people could go and um they have organizations that will bail a person out and stuff like that. So um, things have changed since, mm-hmm. but in the '90s, it, it, it was very, it was it was it was very hard. You know, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I I was just fortunate to have family members that were able to at least scrap some money up and and um and um help me. You know, right, right, right. At, absolutely. As far as the the, the lawyers, um, you know, talking to each other, knowing each other, yeah, they know each other. They date each other. They are <laughs> right. in the same social circles. Uh, yeah. Circles. You know, um, I, I I won't say that my lawyer wasn't in my best interest because at the end of the day it all goes on his record too as mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. um I will put it to as like you know if you watch a basketball game right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these players are playing intently they're going hard they want to win mm-hmm. but when the game is over they shake each other hand and they go hang out at at like a club or something like mm-hmm. they know each other right you know Absolutely. it doesn't take from that while in the game they wasn't trying to win mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so so that's how I chalk it up you know right um, right. right yeah and I just brought that up because I get it I think now as an adult I got it. I you know I get it but at that time I think it was just like a level of naiveness and just like wow like they're like high five and it's like oh I'll see you later and I was like wow like I think it was more of an out of body experience. Right? Well, yeah, well, there, well, <laughs> where there, there is actually like a level where 
it's kind of questionable where you know um, one has to wonder or think if they kind of make backdoor deals like um, give me him, him, and him, and I'll give you such and such. Right, like, right. Like, like pieces to it, like pieces in the chess game. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And there are a lot of things, you know, our, our, our system is set up and, you know, it's, it has all of these dynamics and, 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 um, there's just a lot of issues with it and I think you know yes I'm not saying anything about your lawyer or the other people's lawyer but I just that was just something that kind of stood out you know to me and there are a lot of you know there's a lot of discrepancies or a lot of things at the correctional officers but we'll you know we'll get into that a little bit more um so the first night like so you so they took you they took you what happened from there did you go back to Rikers like to be held for sentencing because after that day everything became like a blur to me like quite honestly it became like a blur yeah yeah so so after the verdict they took my bill even though they they could have kept me out until sentencing which mm-hmm. they'll normally do with somebody who's rich or famous mm-hmm. right they handcuffed me and, 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 and took me right after the verdict and then I had to wait like you know like two months later or something like that for the uh, the official sentencing so you were living on you were on Rikers Island at that time yes for the two years yeah 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 and um uh uh uh, uh no I was on bill for two years, but for the two months pending the, the, the um, sentencing, I was on Rikers Island. Right. And um, what was that like for you? Just Brucey tell me, like, you know, what was that like on Rikers? I know that, you know, we all hear about Rikers Island. I know friends who's worked there in Sing Sing and in different places. And, you know, we hear about the struggle there. You know, we've all heard or seen photos and um, videos of uh, you know Khalif Broder and just other young people who are you know the just the um, you know just the the imprisonment the just different things that they're doing there. What was that like for you for two months? Well, it it was horrible. It was a. Uh... It's uh, definitely a place that I, I hope that I would never see again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, it's cold, it's dirty, it's loud. Anything that's uncomfortable to you, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you mean cold, you mean physically cold, temperature-wise, in addition to cold, as far yes, as yes, every, yeah. Tem- yes, temperature-wise, yeah, cold, cold, yes, yes, just cold, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's not a place where you're gonna be comfortable. You're twenty-four-seven. You're uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable mm-hmm. place, you know. Um, but that's the part of the punishment right so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so 
as a so as a way to get sentenced, I was just basically uh I was in a um I was in a um cell at first and then when I got sentenced which was um which was fascinating because being a first time felon at that point to that point I had no record mm-hmm. you know it was the first time so my lawyer asked for the minimum which was um 15 years to life in prison that, mm-hmm. like that 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 was the least legally that I actually could have could have gotten mm-hmm but the, the 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 district attorney acts for the max because they always do that because that's what they do, mm-hmm. I, which was twenty five to life in prison, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and during sentencing they always have some kind of like uh, charade is what I call it because it's really all it's really all just for show. Mm-hmm. Where everybody get a chance to say their piece. Now it's good that the victim's family would get a, get a chance to say their piece too, but they also allow the person getting sentenced to, to speak also. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like that type of thing going on. What did you? You mentioned a charade. I would assume that you're you're referencing the way that the lawyers, right? You're saying that the way that they put their um, their um, they say their statements, right? Their statements. Yes. Um, for the most part, uh, the 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 victim's family will have like a you know a say in how how they feel about you know losing a loved one, and they'll mm-hmm. get a chance to address you. Mm-hmm. directly mm-hmm. and and get whatever they have o- over their chest right right and you will also get to say whatever you want to say and get whatever you have off your of your chest as well then the judge will sentence you afterwards right 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 now what was it like what did his what did this young man's family say to you well the, well it's, 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 it's funny because the family didn't speak to me the family didn't want to talk so the district mm-hmm. attorney took it upon herself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she said this is from the family mm-hmm. we don't know if that, if that was true or not but she, she read something she said this is from the family mm-hmm. and they spoke about um, how I uh, know how I took a loved one from how I took a loved one from them and you know, you know stuff like that and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it sounds it sounds different when it's coming from the DA because you like is it really them or is it just a discussion? because like I said that the victim's mother was so graceful and so powerful and so strong and so kind mm-hmm. and um when her and my mother had, had met up in the uh, bathroom and had a moment, like so, 
we kind of like already had our thing on the outside, not know, not not known to a whole lot of people. So mm-hmm. what was happening inside the courtroom was just more like it was just a show. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think even though, right, and with all due respect, I think that even though and some people that are listening right now can say like, you know, no matter what, like this woman lost, you know, this mother lost her son and you, you're your only mother, you know, you're your mother's only son. And I can't recall if he was his mother's only son, too. I can't recall. Um, but, you know, what do you say to people who are like, whether it was a charade or show or not, whether it's coming from the district attorney, maybe it was too difficult for her to read or to say or to address you and it probably became too personal because here she was another mother to a mother you know so either way I think that um you know it was either way it was just difficult um and I'm just thinking about and putting myself in that situation like would I say it I think some people depending on coping and their strength you know they could be able to stand up and say it but I think just like what the both the mothers said there were no there were no winners she lost her her son physically you know wasn't going to be there anymore and for you you weren't going to you know you were there but you were kind of just existing you know what i'm saying it's no yeah, win yeah. you know so absolutely uh, um yeah i mean the um reason why i um described the the scenery in that manner is because kind of like what you were saying earlier when we was talking about how, you know, the DAs and the judges and and, and lawyers, they all like kind of key-key and, mm-hmm. you know, high-five each other and they talk like, but then once the show is on, they, you know, you know, they start acting like, you know, like they don't know each other and mm-hmm. they wasn't just making a stupid joke about some someone's life or whatever the case may be so mm-hmm. I'm actually observing all of this too as well like you mm-hmm. know I'm, like I'm saying like this is my life you know right right so when it's off the record doesn't mean I'm not there I'm literally sitting there and I'm seeing mm-hmm. how people just how nonchalant people are mm-hmm. you know with like certain things what like, was your what was your um did you say something to the family did you make a statement to them or to the court or to the judge to ask for leniency or to what did did you say anything yes because during my trial i didn't take the, the uh, stand because my lawyer felt that the evidence that they had was kind of weak and they didn't want me to say anything that may help Mm. The, the 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 people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I didn't take the um, stance because at that time it's supposed to be the burden of proof is supposed to be on the uh, people, but not mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can just stand there and be quiet, and they got to prove that you are guilty, with beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. That is supposed to be how things work. So, right, right. So, um, what did you say to them? What did you say to his family or to the court? I just re- remember, actually, just thinking back now. I hate what I said. I've, I mean, I can't really 
remember everything that I said, but I was basically still in denial, mm-hmm. you know, because at that time I thought, well, I didn't kill anybody. Mm-hmm. So how could I possibly be being sentenced for a second degree murder? That like, I couldn't comprehend that concept, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't comp- I didn't know how the law worked. Mm-hmm. Remember, I was still young. I was, I was, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I didn't like, you know, like I couldn't find it just didn't it just wasn't making sense. It just wasn't making mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the term acting in concert and all that stuff. I, I didn't comprehend it. I, I couldn't grasp how mm-hmm. could I be labeled a murderer when I never killed anybody. So right, right, right. You were there. I yeah, I think you were there. Um, but you didn't, you know, you didn't pull the trigger. You didn't, you know, but... And and so I think that's, that's what was very difficult for all of us. You know, yeah. and... Yes. Yeah. So mentally, was- so mentally... I was just um, saying something um, silly. Like, I was just saying some gibberish. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't kill anybody and whatever. Like, it was just silly of me. Mm-hmm. You know, but I was young. I wasn't really, I really didn't know much about the, the law and how it worked. And, and that's how I felt the whole trial like I was just mm-hmm. I was like physically I was there but mentally I didn't know what was going on it's quite traumatic I think it's traumatic um, you're a young man um, you know you're facing life and death you you know you're if you're fighting for your life this person you know and as we said we're definitely maintaining that and being you know, having been there in the in the courtroom and being a mother, and I remember, you know, being a sister or somebody. His family was there, and they lost someone. You know, we're not disputing that, but I think it was a, you know, it, it was it was just traumatic for all of us, and I think even more so for you, trying to keep it together, knowing that your life is was was going to forever be changed or was forever changed just by that one act of just being there you know being in the in the plate you know being this crime the- happened remember in 1995 what was happening in 1995 let's look back for so let's take a second to think back at that time they had a governor called Pataki mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yes he just recently ran for, for president too he, he actually tried to run for president um couple couple years ago um, when uh, Trump first started but he didn't go too far but this was a Republican right wing governor in the state of New York he reinstituted the death penalty so in 1995 New York had the death penalty mm-hmm. and you know what I had to go through I had to go through a death penalty hearing that was the most scariest part of the, the whole ordeal. That mm-hmm. right there was the most scariest part mm-hmm. because, you know, before the trial, they have to see what type of trial is it going to be. Is it going to be a regular trial or a death penalty trial? Mm-hmm. So before that, you have to have a pre-trial to see what they're going to do. And I remember 
my co-defendant and 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 Oz's legs was, was shaking mm. so much the table was shaking and you could hear the table shaking inside the courtroom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in my mind I was trying to stay calm mm-hmm. but I couldn't control my nerves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like they had a mind of its own but mentally kept stay calm stay calm stay, stay calm but mm-hmm. it was it was just uh, fascinating to to, to be sitting there and people just um, talking about whether they're going to kill you or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's very traumatic. Unfortunately, so many people, you know, are in the system, are get caught up in that system. And, you know, young people, you know, and, and, and sadly, a lot of them who look like you. And I worked in the prison system um, briefly for about a year. Um, while I was in Florida, while we, you know, my family relocated, we lived in Florida for about a, a year. And, um, that was something that was, you know, just traumatic <laughs> being there. And, um, you know, you hear people's stories and, uh, their family stories and histories. And it was just, it really resonated with me. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it, it's traumatic, not only for the people who are there trying to, make a difference in those lives or for the people who are there who is you know we talk about not getting having bail or some people who never had the opportunities and then for some people who literally are about that life like let's call it what it is some people are about that life (laughs) you know that prison life you know you you commit these crimes and it's you know and it's and it's also you know it's a lot of things you know whether it's nature versus nurture are we born like that are we this are we that but, you know, and so I don't want to dispute that, that some people just get caught up in that life and they're just, you know, yes, we believe that there are consequences to people's um, actions. Um, but, you know, in this case, as you said, you just felt like it was overkill in a sense, you know, um, based on you not based on you being a first time felon, you not being the person who pulled the trigger. You just happen to be there. And so that's you know that's what we're we're trying to point out um so you go to you get sentenced you and the co-defendant was and the co-defendant you know was somebody that we all knew too we all grew up together on the block you know we all grew up together so I always felt bad for him and his family and you know I knew his mother is you know you know uh from back in the day and it was just it was just horrible for everybody um as far as were, were, both, were both of you sentenced at the same time? No. Um, he actually didn't go to trial. When mm-hmm. uh, trial was starting, he actually got nervous and he, he figured that it, would, that it would be better for him to just take a deal. Mm, okay. which, was, which was smart on his half. Mm. You know, um, so he, um, he took a deal. You know, How long did he serve? We actually ended up getting the same amount of time. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, and, and actually, him taking the deal may also kind of help me too, because normally when a person go to trial, right, mm-hmm. and you're found guilty, they make you, they'll punish you for wasting taxpayers' money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they'll give you the max. Mm-hmm. But because he took a deal, 
the judge couldn't with a straight face give me more time than the person that actually took the person's life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right right so in retrospect now you kind of you're thinking that that probably helped you too yes so he ended up giving me the same amount of time as the person as mm-hmm. as um he did mm-hmm. you know even though i could have had more time because i because I, I because i rolled the dice and I took it to trial, and mm-hmm. normally they'll make you pay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the judge just couldn't say, how could we give this person more time than, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you got the sentence, what was that like for you? Where did you go post that sentence? Did you go back to Rikers to be, or did you go, you know, like we see on television, you know, you get on a bus and you're going up to someplace up north, you know, up north somewhere. What, so, what so once a person gets sentenced, they send them to uh, what they call a um, sentencing um, dorm. Mm-hmm. They, 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 like they'll send you to a place where everybody there are sentenced and mm-hmm. ready to go up north. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm when I got there and that's a short stay that's probably like a week or two tops and um then a big bus come come, a big bus just come and pick pick a whole bunch of guys up Mm -hmm. and this is the rough part traveling is crazy because you you actually like you actually like uh, it's like shadow it's like shadow slavery it's like Mm. You got chains everywhere. You got chains on your legs, your ankles tight, which cuts up your ankles. Mm. If, if you step too hard, because you're because you're chained up, because you're chained up to someone else, also. Right. And right, if right. both of you guys are not in sync, mm-hmm. if one person up, has a longer stride, if it will tear up your ankles. Yeah. Tear up your ankles. Right. And then you got chains around your waist. Mm-hmm. You got chains to your hand everything just chained up you know and mm. that's how you're gonna travel going up north so you're leaving New York City and you're going further up state in that condition and um I remember if it was summer if it was winter um cause I think honestly I think I blocked those that out it was too traumatic for me like I was like it's too much like I, I literally as a friend as a you know like I was like uh, that's just too much you know for me to fathom was it a winter time was it summer it was it was, it was around I think it was around March mm-hmm, mm-hmm. March or April it was around that time so spring was just starting um um yes so it was a, so it was around that time um, I actually just remember traveling like that or chained up like I really felt like a slave mm-hmm. and that's when the that's when the constitution like I used to always hear it but when I was experiencing it I said it's real it's actually a real thing like I am a slave right now this second mm-hmm. I'm a slave legally too I'm a legal slave right now mm. and I'm chained up with a bunch of other men of color young men of color 
and they but instead of a ship it's it's a bus mm-hmm. packed in and they're sending us to wherever they're gonna send us to mm-hmm. and then I end up going to well downstate um it's, it's like a processing facility mm-hmm. where they round up everybody and then they and then they ship them out it's like a port kind of mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, and you know, they mm-hmm. ship them out to wherever they're gonna ship people so whether you're gonna go to the Americas or you're going to the Caribbeans or mm-hmm. whatever they send it to it's like that type of thing right 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 yeah that's so yeah that's that's powerful right there like just the thought I'm just picturing the visual you know um so where did you end up going so when you go down state right that's actually you know it's wow I'm just there's so many parallels you know because when you go down state they take off all your clothes that's that would be your last time you'll be wearing civilian clothes. Because mm. mm-hmm. on Rikers Island, at the time, you was able to wear your street clothes because Rikers Island is actually a county jail. Mm. Mm-hmm. Rikers Island is a county jail for New York City. Mm-hmm. So, going downstate, right, they... T- they tell you to take off all your clothes and when I mean all your clothes I mean everything mm. so you're you're butt naked mm. right mm-hmm. so you're in your birthday suit and then they take your clothes and they just throw it in the garbage right wow wow and yeah. then they tell you to go in the room now I'm speaking to you nice and calm right but these officers are very disrespectful very disrespectful mm-hmm. and like when I say telling you like they're bossing you like in a disrespectful manner mm-hmm. and you're naked you're naked and standing you're vulnerable. naked standing in front of a bunch of different strangers that mm-hmm. you don't know and they send you into a room kind of like kind of like 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 cattle mm-hmm Mm-hmm. They send you. They 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 like like it's like a, a like a shepherd herding all the sheep mm-hmm. into the barn, and then you no. Know, once you go in this room, overhead is a big like shower thing, and they just uh um just like spray you, just spray you with water, or just like yeah, yes, they um. They give you some kind of shampoo. You know what I'm saying? I guess the shampoo's for like lice. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. so they tell you to rub it in your head, your underarm, your private parts, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and then it then the water just spray you, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also too, when you downstate too, they cut off all your hair. Everything's everything goes. So it's not no, you can't it's not like a, you're going to a barbershop where okay just give me like a little bit off top but they just everything off everything off wow wow everything off and then they give you the shampoo and they spray you down mm-hmm. and then they give you what they call steak grains right because mm-hmm. that's the color in, in New York mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's not no striped suit. It's state greens, mm-hmm. green pants, green shirt. You know, um, everything is Corecraft. Corecraft is the the the, 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 the corporations mm-hmm. that 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 pretty much make things for the prison system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where you actually gonna get branded. You know, you're gonna get branded. Probably not like. Not like a slave, or what do you mean? Not like old school days where they put the iron on the fire mm-hmm. and then they, mm-hmm. then you know, they burn your skin. Like if they'll do a cow or a slave or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what I mean by branded, this new wave is that that's where you get your DIN number. Mm-hmm. That's where you get your number, mm-hmm. right? So that's the new way of branding people. When your name no longer matters, this is your this is your name this is who you are right right so everything is taken away yeah everything is taken away from you do you remember your number do you remember yes Mm 01A2003 you know um, so um and I would assume that that's what you were you were referred to you were no longer Ryan you were no longer somebody's son you were no longer somebody's father or whoever you were whatever that number was absolutely Mm-hmm. You know, and, and um, so once I got branded, right? Um, you know, uh, I was you no, know, I was thrown in a cell, and I had to wait to see which which ship, which bus is gonna come and get me, mm-hmm. and and which part of this new world where I was going to. Mm-hmm. You know, you have no say of where you're gonna go. You know, but just know that you'll be far away from your family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, kind of like the African slaves were far away from their family mm-hmm. when they were sent sent off. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I end up ironically going to a place called Five Town. I mean, called Five Point, which mm-hmm. is um, which at that time was a new first. Facility that was built by Pataki, mm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, ironically. Yeah, and um, it was all double bunk, mm-hmm. and the town was called Ram. That was named the town, mm-hmm. and um, that's where I spent my first two, my first two and a half years. Out of the twenty, like that's where I spent my first two and a half years, and it was a experience, you know. But in total, you know, um, you know, um, I actually, you know, try to break up my time by spending a few years in one jail and spending another few years in another jail, and that's how most people do it, you know. Or some people but what do you mean what do you mean breaking up the time or do you have a choice in that or like because I know that as you said if you went to that first prison how did you get out how were you able to get from the, you know say oh I want to go someplace else do you have to apply to go someplace else yes there's two ways there's two ways to, to get out to get out of a uh, prison that you're located one is to, to do everything good and then you'll be eligible for preference transfer 
Mm-hmm. And the other one is to go to the box. And but then you'll be in the box, and the box is not a good place. But a lot and of people, what is the box? What is the box? Box is what they call SHU, special housing unit. Mm-hmm. Where um, I actually spent some time in the box when I left my first jail. When I left my first prison. When I left Five Points, I actually went the, the box route. I wasn't mm-hmm. eligible for the prefer- for preference transfer. I actually went the box route, and um, it was a terrible experience. Mm-hmm. The the um the um, box is where you're locked in twenty. You ever hear the term twenty three and one? That's what they call twenty three okay. and one, where you're locked in for twenty three hours and you get one hour off wreck every day and then you lock back in for 23 hours during the day and you're in isolation so you're like in a room with nothing in it right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no radio no tv no nothing and did you wait and you're saying so much and thank you for being you know so transparent i'm again i'm a very visual person so i'm kind of like walking through you've lived it you know, I'm kind of just walking through it, you know, visually um, right now. But did you, you ask to do that? Or were you put in the box because you got into a fight? You got into a scuffle? Was it, you know, I thought that you would, from, again, a person looking on the outside, looking in from the outside, do you ask to be placed there? Or did no, you do no, something that no, led to... I um, got in trouble. and. Mm-hmm. And, and I was sentenced to to three months and three months oh my goodness just the three months in the box mm-hmm. I did three months in the box and it was a tough three months because the days are long like you're in a room 23 hours out a day mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. 24 hours because I really didn't use the hour right it's like it was useless it's like you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you just sat in there and there were no books or nothing it's just like a, a, a daily timeout a three month timeout a lack of a be- better word yes, you yes. know solitary confinement sitting there yes, um, did now, you give you now, food did now, you- now, now there's levels to it right level one level two level three now when you first get there you're on level one Level one is that you literally have nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they feed you, they give you your food through like like a hatch, like a slot, with mm-hmm. a metal slot that, you know, you know, the hatch opens up, they, they put your tray on it, you grab it, shut back, and you eat your food, and that's it. But food, mm-hmm. when you're in the box, the food that they give you are so uh, uh, like inedible, like it's just not. No, or is it? No, it's it's portion. It's it's, it's 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 um like say okay, you see a um uh, um ice cream scooper. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. a small portion. Yeah. Yes, you get 
like if like if they do have a rice meal you get mm-hmm. two scoops of that ice cream scooper level mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that would be what you eat and um so eating in the box people lose so much weight mm. mm-hmm mm-hmm people people lose so much things so much weight while being in the box cause you're not getting enough food you're not getting enough nourishment nourishment it's just enough to keep you alive right you know so um so they will feed you at at like you know seven in the morning is just breakfast then you got lunch and they'll give you dinner at three o'clock after that you're not mm-hmm. eating anything else until mm-hmm. seven the very next morning mm-hmm. and that three mm-hmm. o'clock dinner is, is such a small amount that you know how I used to try to break it up is that I used to they give you four slices of of um of um white bread I'll mm-hmm. just save my bread and just try to save it to like eight, nine o'clock, just mm-hmm. just to eat the dry bread, just to have something inside right. my stomach right. because I know I'm not going to eat again until seven in the morning. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're in population, you have commissaries mm-hmm. and you can might could buy some snacks and stuff in your cell or whatever, so you got something to subsidize. You know some you no know, stuff like that. Something to yeah, like a snack or yeah. something. You know. But in the box, you have nothing. Right. You know, all is that little trays, those trays that they put through that metal slot. You know? mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. so it, it it was it was very it was very it was, it was very rough. It was very rough. For me. Um, I actually came out a hundred and fifty-seven pounds when I. Came and when you and when you went in, what was your weight? When I went in, I was 180 pounds. Wow! So in three months, you had lost 30 pounds. In three months, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're not a you're not a big guy anyway. No, so, no. You know, like you're, you're you're always a slim guy. You eat a you ate a lot. You still do, but you were you know you're a pretty slim guy. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I was really, really, really like really, really small. You know, um, mm-hmm. coming out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you lose everything, you lose your muscle mass, your face is shrunk. Then mm-hmm. it's like you, you look, you kind of look emaciated, like you know, you just you're absolutely, yeah, yeah, A- yeah. absolutely. But now, how did you cope? Because all of what you just mentioned is so just hearing it. You know, and knowing again, we haven't really spoken about this, and I don't know if you've shared any of this with other, you know, people from the block. Because again, everybody, um, you know, was somewhat touched by it, and I'm sure that you've, you know, you. I don't know if you spoke to some, you know, friends, and if they've asked these questions, but you know, how did you cope with that? Because that is like real, like you know, there's a lot of parallels that you discuss it being like you know being like a slave and I you know I've read a lot about slavery and what it was like on a plantation and runaway slaves and all you know I get all of that and there are a lot of parallels 
um, to slavery and prison, you know, and prison, um, where it's the new slavery, you know, that's we what we call it. That's what we call it, the new slavery. Um, but how did you cope with that psychological, physiological, that that trauma? How did you cope while you were there in the box, and you know, even having to be stripped of your clothes, you know, your clothing, your emotional clothing, your physical clothing, how were you able to deal with that? Yes, um, well, once you get to level two or level three, you're able to get like like a couple of magazines or a couple of books. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, so once I got to those levels, I was just reading everything that I could get my hands on. You know, so again if you can step back a little bit so while you're in the box like you start off first at level one and then do you if you're behaving the way that you should and not causing any trouble then do you get books thrown to you or or yeah, when you yes, say pretty you know, much okay. like 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 if you don't cause any trouble and you do what you what you're supposed to do you move up to level two where they'll mm-hmm. give you a headphones because the because the box got like a wall jack Right, because there's no radio or anything, but they got like a wall jack. They got a headphone slot where you could plug it in, and you can mm-hmm. listen to the radio, like, mm-hmm. like you know. Um, so if you get to that level, then they'll give you like, like a pair of small headphones where you can listen to the radio, and um, mm-hmm. so at least you got something to listen to, and um, and then you, then you could earn, you can get some books or some magazines and stuff like that. Know, mm-hmm. once you mm-hmm. get to those levels no. mm-hmm. but if you get in trouble you drop back to level one or if you still get in trouble they'll give you what they call the loaf mm. and what? and that's just like what it says is just the loaf is just a, a, just loaf of bread and that's all you're gonna get and that's supposed to last you for how long um, I was never on the loaf because I, I was afraid to ever be on the loaf. Right, but, right. Because I wanted no parts of any loaf. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but it's not a good thing. All I know mm-hmm. is that you get the loaf and I don't know how long it's supposed to last. Mm-hmm. But that's all you're getting. Right, right, right. But, but most things of what I'm saying, remember, this is like 2001 2002 now a lot of things of what I'm saying they no longer do stuff like that because it was ruled as inhumane right because as you're talking about it you know I'm like that's that sounds very inhumane you know and I know again people may be listening to this and they're like well listen and I you know I see it online I know friends who you know who have served time and who has been on both sides of it, you know, being the victims and I get it and there should be consequences, but you know, the inhumane treatment of people. Um, and I know it's not supposed to be a keg walk either again, because people are saying, you know, you do the time, you, what do they say? You do the crime. Right. And I get it. But, um, you know, so, you know, things, as you said, have changed. Um, but you know, while being, when you're living in it um you know it's a lot and hearing it now it's a lot to digest and to and to think about um you know 
how traumatic that was for you and 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 other people that 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 were going through that inhumane treatment. Yes, is is people were coming out the box worse than how they came in because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mentally it breaks you down you know absolutely absolutely I recently did a um, um, a friend of mine she openly shares her experience about you know um, being married or getting married to someone in prison and we talked a lot about the inhumane treatment of prisoners and solitary confinement and how psychologically the trauma of it and the suicide rates and you know just all the things that are associated with being in that box and you talk about the parallel of being um you know the connection between prison and and slavery and I think about the hot box and you know our ancestors being placed in that box without food and water and just sitting out there you know baking you know in a hot box um as a punishment and I think about that and it's and it's the parallels are really it's scary it's just you know um just thinking about you know it being whatever year it was if it was 2001 if it was 1995 it was you know whatever year it was um that these practices were still being (laughs) executed and used um you know uh against people so it's 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 very um it's very traumatic for me to hear that so As of 2008, there were over 846,000 black men in prison. More African-American men are in prison or jail on probation or parole that were enslaved in 1850 before the Civil War, according to Michelle Alexander, the author of The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration and the Age of Colorblindness. Once labeled a felon, you can be subjected to all types of discrimination on the upcoming episodes, Quan will discuss the challenges he faced after the release. Once labeled a felon, you can be denied the right to vote, automatically excluded from juries, and you're legally discriminated against in employment, housing, access to education, and public benefits. Stay tuned for the next week's episodes.